So it has been said over and over and over again by many people throughout the history of the church that all the church is after is your money. And sometimes that has been true. I'm not going to lie. It's been true. I think of people like, I don't know if you know who these, these people are, but there's a televangelist named Creflo Dollar that every few years asks his people, his flock, his listeners, his viewers to donate money because he needs a new private jet. And what happens? He gets it. I think of people like Kenneth Copeland, who also begs people to give money for new jets. I think of Robert Tilton. You guys remember that guy? Begging you through the television set for your donations. I think of Jim Baker getting arrested for embezzlement. You guys remember that? None of this is new. None of this is new. I imagine that many of you know, and you don't remember because you weren't alive, but I remember you guys remember from history, maybe the history of the church, a guy named Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, but the Martin Luther that nailed the 95 theses, there he is, look at that awesome friar skull cap thing he's got going on. He nailed the, his 95 theses on the church's, church doors in Wittenberg where he lived because he was furious about what the church was doing. And so because of that, Martin Luther fractured off the, the Catholic church and created the Lutherans, right? Our own John Eilers is familiar with the Lutheran church. He, he, he was raised in that tradition. And do you remember what he was so angry about? Does anybody know your history? I'll tell you. He was angry at the power of the Catholic Church and that they were abusing that power. The church had indoctrinated into the people that they could only get to heaven through the church. The priest had enormous power at the local level on behalf of the Catholic Church. The local population viewed the local priest as their passport to heaven as they knew no different and had been taught this from birth by the local priest. Now, I will just mention here, people couldn't read. So they had to trust who? To tell them what the Bible said. The local priest. Now, that is much different from today, right? We all can read. We, we can read our Bibles for ourselves. So things have changed a lot in this regard. But that's why Martin was, Luther was so upset such a message was constantly being repeated to ignorant people in church service after church service. Hence, keeping your priest happy was seen as a prerequisite to going to heaven. You had to keep your priest happy or you went to hell. And how did you keep your priest happy? Right? Money. That's how you, keep your pri you kept your priest happy. 
rich families could buy high positions for their sons in the Catholic Church, and this satisfied their behalf, uh, their belief that they would go to heaven and attain salvation. However, a peasant had to pay for a child to be baptized or christened, and that had to be done as a first step to getting into heaven. As the people that were told, people were told by the local priests that non-baptized child children could not go to heaven. You had to pay to get married, and you had to pay to bury somebody in your, your in your family in holy ground. So this was the abuse that was going on in Germany, in, in, in this time. That is why Martin Luther got so ticked. So nothing new, right? This was 16th century. Nothing new. So sometimes the church across the world has abused their power, they have abused their authority, and they have given us all a black eye. They have hurt all of the church's reputation. So, the original statement that I asked is, is is all the church after is our money? Unfortunately, sometimes the answer has been yes. (laughs) It has. So this morning, let me be super crystal clear. You guys ready for this? God does not need your money. God doesn't need your money. I know, my elders are like, what are you saying, Sobek? Why would you say that? Like, what do you need? You want to get paid? God doesn't need your money. He doesn't. Listen to Psalm 50, 9 through 15. This is great. But I do not need the bulls from your barns or the goats from your pens. For all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird on the mountains, and all the animals of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not... Would I not tell you? For all the world is mine and everything in it. Do I eat the meat of bulls? Do I drink the blood of goats? Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God and keep the vows that you have made to the Most High. Then call on me when you are in trouble and I will rescue you and you will give me glory. Church. God does not need our money. Money can never buy you favor with God. It just can't. What we give Him, it can never buy forgiveness. And that's what He is saying here in this this verse. God doesn't eat the meat of bulls or drink the blood that is shed when they were sacrificed to Him. When Martin Luther got so angry, the church was selling salvation. They would would allow the rich to buy their relatives a spot in heaven. Listen, there is no buying your way in. There isn't. I don't care how much you put in the plate. If Jesus never knew you, then that's it. There's no going back and saying, but I'll give you a bunch of money. 
God doesn't care about our money. God doesn't need it. Putting money in the plate does not win you favor with God. It does not buy you a spot in heaven, and it will not send you to hell if you don't give the right amount. All right. So the question is answered. Let's go home, right? This morning, can we do this? Can we look at Psalm 24, 1 through 2? It says this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Can we look at Psalm 24 and use it to explain why we should give and why giving even matters? Can we do that? So two reasons from Psalm this, this, this to, to give. Number one, biblical reasons to give. Number one, because Jesus said to, you guys remember Matthew 6, 1 through 4, it says, Watch out, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees you, everything will reward you. Now listen, I want to highlight a couple words in those, in that, 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 those verses there. Right in, chat, look at chat, uh, verse 2. When you give, Jesus is saying, when you give, meaning what? you will give. Verse 3, but when you give, verse 4, give your gifts in private. So Jesus is assuming you're going to do what? Say it. You're going to give. He's telling us. You're going to give. If you love me, give. Just don't do it in a hypocritical way. Don't do it in a fashion that brings attention to you and doesn't give glory to God, who's, who's, who is why you should give in the first place. This is the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' longest sermon, the one where he tells the people the way they should live. He talks about prayer, justice, care for the needy, handling the religious law, divorce, fasting, judging other people, salvation, and giving. When you, when you give your gifts, give your gifts, it is assumed that the people of God are going to give, which makes sense, right? Jesus knew the Psalms. He knew them forward and backward. He quoted them constantly. You know he quoted them from the cross. His most painful time, when he was at his lowest in, in, in his life, he quoted Psalms. And of course he knew Psalm 24. So if we use Psalm 24, if we believe that God created everything, that God has given us everything, that all of this earth and everything in it is his, if we believe that, then we will give. We will give back to him 
we will give to those whom he created that need it, and we will seek to advance the good news. That's why we give. One thing I I know that I have said a lot over the last five years is this. Bowen Christian Church gives away 31% of what we bring in. That is a huge number. The number that when I got here, I was just like, wow. Because I've been to a lot of churches, and nobody has ever touched that number. Nobody's come close. That statistic floored me, and it still does today. You know, I would say that most churches struggle to give 10%. We give 31. I am sure that the church I go to next does not give 31% away. I guarantee you they won't, or they don't. And that's something that we will start working toward. We will want to be like Bowen. I know that many of you in this room gave 10% of your income away from when you were very young. And now, now you probably give a lot more. You give more than 10%. I think 10% was our starting point. 10% was was the number that we were supposed to to strive toward. And and many of us are still striving to hit that 10% mark. But some of us are giving more. 10%, 12%, 15%, maybe 20%. Because you want to see the kingdom of God advanced. And I also imagine that some of you in this room might be thinking, 10% is too much. I, I don't know how we would eat. Hear this. There is only one person in this entire church that knows what anyone gives. And it's not me. I have no idea what any of you give, so don't, it is not me. It used to be me? It's not. Mr. Steve Peterson has to deposit money in the bank. So that's the only reason why he knows what anyone gives, if you write a check. But that's it. We don't know. And that's okay. We don't want to, I don't want to know. We don't want to know. No one is sitting around judging and minding everyone else's business. That's not what we're up to. That's not what church leadership wants to do. We don't, we don't, that's not what we're about. And I think this is in, just something to, to be said. Yes, has a church in the past been bad? with money, asking for money, doing things that they should Yes. But I want you to look around and say, answer this question, do you trust the elders at Bowen Christian Church? Do you trust me? And if the answer is yes, then know that it is us that decide what happens to the money that is given to this church. And know that we would never abuse it. And we would never do anything with it that we didn't see as advancing the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Does that make sense to you, I hope? 
So here's my encouragement to you. One, give because Jesus told us to. And number two, give out of thanks. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And some of your translations say, God loves a cheerful giver. The Bible Exposition Commentary says this, Giving alms to the poor, praying and fasting were important disciplines in the religion of the Pharisees. Jesus did not condemn these practices, but he gave caution to us to make sure that our hearts are in the right place as we practice them. The Pharisees used almsgiving to gain favor with God and attention from men, both of which were the wrong motives. No amount of giving can purchase salvation, for salvation is the gift of God, if you look at Ephesians 2, 8-9, and many other verses. And to live for the praise of men is a foolish thing, because glory, the glory of man does not last, according to 1 Peter one twenty four. It is the glory and praise of God that really count. Our sinful nature is so subtle that it can defile even a good thing like sharing money with the poor. If our motive is to get the praise of men, then like the Pharisees, we will call attention to what we are doing. But if our motive is to serve God in love and please Him, then we will give our gifts without calling attention to them. As a result, we will grow spiritually, God will be glorified, and others will be helped. But if we give with the wrong motive, we rob ourselves of blessing and reward and rob God of glory, even though the money we share might help a needy person. So what is the proper motive? Well, the proper motive is that we give out of thankfulness for God, to God and what he has done for us. And what he continues and will continue to do for us. Psalm 24 again, If we believe that the earth is his and everything in it, then we believe that all money, possessions, and our whole lives belong to him. Then we give because we are thankful for the life that he has given us. Is anybody thankful for the life that he has given us? Because we are thankful of that, we give. Team Song is thankful for our health, (laughs) because we've not always been healthy. We are thankful that when we totaled our van, we were able to buy a new one, which then promptly got hit by a deer. And when we pray with our kids, we always say, thank you God for the food that we eat, for the roof over our heads, for the clothes that we wear, and for the beds that we sleep in. I am thankful for all of those things. And because I am thankful, I want to give back. But listen, if you can't feel good about it, if you are giving every week through grumbling and through, I don't want to give this, keep it. Keep it. I don't want to make you bitter at the church, or bitter at God because you feel this pressure that you have to give. We give out of thanks 
not out of a bitter or frustrated heart. When we give, let's give out of gratitude, out of thankfulness, and out of a desire to see the world blessed through giving back what is God's anyway. So, why does giving matter? And the answer is simple. Giving demonstrates trust. Listen, Jesus demands our heart. Many of us are okay with Jesus being our Messiah, our Savior, saving us from sin, from death, from hell. We can get on board on that one pretty easily. But the first part of Peter's words there in Acts 2.36, we have a harder time with. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah. If Jesus is our Lord, that means he is in control, that he is running the show. He's, just, he's not just the, you know, a bumper sticker that says he's our co-pilot, right? Because Jesus isn't the co-pilot in our lives. He's not supposed to be. What's Jesus supposed to be? The Savior, and he's supposed to be the pilot. We're just along for the ride. There's no co about it. God is in control. He's supposed to be. If we are giving all of us to him, then we have to put our trust in him. We have to believe that he will take care of us We will give like no other because we know that everything we have is His anyway. So, let's trust that He will take care of us. Let's trust that He will take care of us. Even if we give a little more than we feel comfortable with. Giving should be joyful, it should be cheerful, but it should also show that you have to trust God to provide for you, to sustain you, to come through for you. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. It's all his, all of it. This life he has given us, these clothes that we wear, the money that we earn, it's all his. It's all his, it's not ours. God gives us wonderful gifts, it's up to us to turn them back to him in an act of worship and praise. When I give my first and my best as an act of faith, what we are saying to God is, I trust you with the rest. I trust you with the rest. Giving is purely an act of worship. That is why God wants a cheerful giver, because giving is worship. If we can't give with a cheerful heart, then is it really worship? Really? You remember the story of Cain and Abel? Anybody? Remember what made Cain so mad? Because you remember, like, Cain killed Abel, right? Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden. They had two sons. They had Cain, they had Abel, right? And then Cain got real ticked, and he killed his brother. Anybody remember what that was? Genesis 4, 4 through 8. 
The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. So that's what God says. And then the very next thing that happens. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Listen. The reason why God did not was not pleased, did not find favor with Cain's offering, does anybody know why? Because he didn't give out of thanksgiving. He didn't give as an act of worship. He did not remember that everything was God's to begin with. And because of that, God was not pleased with his offering. Church, what we give matters. How we give matters. The value of what we give matters. I don't mean monetarily. The value of the offering is not how much it is valued by the world. What matters is the value that it has for you and me. You remember the story of the widow and the two mites? The two silver coins. And it was meager. And she put it in the temple offering, and Jesus said what? That, that is the greatest offering that has been given today. She gave out of her need, she sacrificed to give, and Jesus said it was worth more than any other gift that day. The value of our gift is in the sacrifice to ourselves Jesus, our example, gave away everything. He gave his life. The question for us this morning is, does God get my whole heart? He doesn't need my money. Does God get my heart? Are we willing to say, are we willing to ask, are we willing to say, I am yours, Do with me, do with my heart, whatever you want. Are we willing to say, the blessings you pour out to me, I pour out back to you, and I pour out to others? Are we willing to say, I give the very best of my heart to you every day? Are we willing to say, I want to be connected to him, and he needs to be the treasure my heart seeks? above everything else. Are we willing to say those things? If the answer is yes, then when you give, you will give out of a grateful heart. You will give with proper motive. And you will give an offering that God and Jesus can be pleased with.